From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, how are you today? It's good to be back with you. Oh, it's great to be back uh, with you, Steve, and I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm doing well. I, uh, I I always enjoy these talks, and I know we talk about this a lot. It's great when we have guests, but it's also good when you and I get a chance to talk out some to- different topic or idea and what we came up with for today is um, how do we get, how do we educate people, um, non-programmers, people outside the industry, maybe people within the industry in different roles about the challenges of programming and what it goes, what goes into successful programming. So um, it sounds like a bit of a complex topic, and and if it, if it wasn't, <laughs> then we wouldn't be talking about it. But it's. Uh, it's something uh, I think that's important. Um, uh, wh- wh- where where do we start when we try to to um, explain programming to somebody other than writing code, and uh, you know, which I think is the obvious part. But but where where do we start with trying to explain what are some of the challenges that we face when we're trying to do programming for an AV system? I would say probably one of the biggest challenges, I would say, at least my realm, is what we actually do. Members know, especially uh, like our supervisors and stuff, they know we write code. Like they they understand that part. But what is code? What are like, how is that measured? Um, And how can a manager or supervisor or a salesperson understand the pain point of a programmer? Um, Because they don't understand what we are doing and what it entails for us to write code, to make equipment talk to each other, and to say on the latest and greatest uh, platforms or patches and all that stuff. I mean, some people say it's just a bunch of line of code, um, but it's knowing how that line of code works. That's a really good point. It, it's it, and it's very different what we do in the AV world when it comes to writing code to what software developers do or what you think of when you think of people that are programmers um, outside this industry. I think, think there, there's a lot more factors and a lot more variables and a lot less control, I think, or no pun intended over um, uh, the, our environment. When, when, when we're writing code for AV, there, uh, a lot of that is trying to understand how to make equipment work. As you mentioned, you know, one of the challenges is talking to the equipment. The other is deciding what you want the system to actually do and, I've heard that referred to as business logic. It's the it it it's not necessarily looking at the specifics of the equipment, but understanding the functions and and the operation and and the user experience that we're trying to create. And uh, frankly, the user interface is another ball game. It's uh, it, that that's that's a, a can be a challenge in and of itself. Um, the the thing that I've thought that would be really helpful, even if you're not a programmer, if you could sit down and write 
down a description of what you want the system to do and take that to as granular a level as possible, that's the closest you're going to get to programming without actually understanding how to write the code, which, which quite honestly can be taught. It's that, that may, that isn't always the challenging part. It's, it's getting to the point of actually writing the code and knowing what it is that we're doing and, and, um, and, and being able to define and, and address all of the variables to make everything work together is to me, I think is the big challenge. Yeah. And like the one benefit, if you're looking at, um, I guess, software developer is a lot of their software is geared for one, maybe two pieces of hardware. So if you're writing a Windows application, that's what you're writing it for. It's for Windows. But when we're looking at our AV uh, control system, is you might have company-wise touch panel. You might have company Z's DSP and companies X display. Like you have to, it's not just like, okay, you're in a, a control environment. Your environment is always changing because that display may get changed out or the DSP might get changed out, but you still got to make all the pieces work together. And, and I think that that's the integration that is what makes what we do so important, um, and and why programming is so vital in that. And and uh, you know I I've I think that and and you probably share this is that we 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 can get very defensive when people talk about that programming isn't necessary or or what we do is go, going to be obsolete or is not um, it it is not a critical part of a system because of what you just mentioned that the this is where the magic happens it's it's taking pieces of equipment that aren't supposed to work together and making them work together and talk to each other and creating this this experience that the operator of the system the the user doesn't need to know what's going on behind the curtain yeah, they, the user doesn't need to know. Like you think about it is take a, a car, for example. You As a user, we sit in our car, we turn the ignition or hit the button to turn the car on. As a user, I don't care that is it electric or is it gas? I don't care. I don't care uh, using this as a... Because, yeah, some people prefer electric over gas. But I'm more like, I'm in my car. I can care less if it's electric or gas. I can care less that is it a four-cycle, uh, six, eight-cycle um, piston engine. Um, is the oil getting there? Is the oil getting there correctly? Is the timing belt moving? Is the water pumping? Like, all of those variables, as we talk, as a user, I don't care. I just want my car to work and get me from point A to point B. Um, and that's where programmers with our EV system go is we allow our users to go from point A to point B in their communication, either a Zoom call or a presentation or whatever that's going on without them worrying about, well, okay, is the DSP set correctly? Is the amplifiers at the right? Like we simply, 
simplify it by being complex. Which is always the case. <laughs> so, you know, somebody has to do the heavy lifting, as I like to say. It's uh, and and to to your point, it's also about managing the parameters and and not allowing a user to do something that's going to quote unquote get them in trouble. So we, we we try to control the experience so that they are going to operate things the way they should be operated and not. Um, do something that's going to to cause the system to to not respond the way it needs to, or is going going to cause maybe some uh, unpredictable responses. Um, oh, hundred percent. I I kind of think of it. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a what is an engineer. I haven't talked to him in years, so I don't know if he still is. But uh, he was saying what they teach engineers um and like structural engineer is they don't they don't design structures to last they actually design them to break and the reason why is so they can control the breaking point yes you have things that you know happen and that aren't planned but take a bridge for example is if you can say this bridge can only hold x amount of weight you can design it to hold that amount of weight. Uh, instead of going, well, we don't know how many, how much weight it's going to come across this bridge. So let's just keep, you know, blowing, like putting more and more on it when it may only be like a two car going across it or a jumbo jet. Like <laughs> it could be completely different. But if we know if we control that breaking point, we can say, well, you can only have 35,000 tons go across this bridge because then you know anything over that it's going to cause failure um and we kind of do that with our ev systems we we lock it down so our users don't break it so we control that breaking point yes it will be variables that happen outliers that you know our system breaks and we have to fix it but if we control a lot of those um tasks that we know, you know, that whole 80-20 rule, like if we control that 80%, then we only have to be uh, worried about the 20% instead of the whole 100%. That's a good, really good point. And, and it, you know, comes down to, to what is the, what are the majority of the users need? And, and yes, you can have more operation and more complexities, but we don't expose that to the everyday person. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about related that I think is important to understand is that the the programming that that we do in AV is um, it needs to be designed to change and and that's a little bit different than pro programming in, in other industries and in, and in other areas and even during the development we find changes but but certainly afterward and there, there's one thing to say you're going to do updates or upgrades, but, but in AV, there's uh, you need to build in the the ability to make changes without having to redesign or or reprogram or cause d different failures or 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 um, issues down the road. Yeah, I mean that that's the way I've always looked at it because we're 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 bound to to need to. Um, make adjustments for different users. We're bound to be putting in different equipment and, um, 
and that there's just uh, it, it's inherent that that these systems change. Yes, that is great. We have to be a flexible um, as we can while still uh, controlling the the eighty percent that we can control. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit different than when you're talking about software um, deployment. There, to, back to what you said earlier, you when you're writing on a platform and in, in you know modern programming and and mainstream software development, you 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 have you know what you're working with, and and there's a very defined scope, and that scope is what it it is, and and this is the the solution that is built. Whereas in AV it, that can could be fluid if you don't control your parameters well, but then right after a system is put in, it's very likely that there's going to need to be adjustments and changes even within the first few months because that's when the system gets used and that's when the the, the customization has to ends up getting applied um, or the personalization gets. Whereas, where if you're writing a Windows application, you're you're applying appealing to the masses. There may be some um, bug reports or user requests, but that doesn't mean that they're getting done. And when they are, they're getting done in the next major release. Yeah, you know that brings up a good point. We, if you think about it, and it makes me wonder, like, how this is a little. This is almost backwards in the AV industry. If you look at software development and this Windows and stuff, you have software that says it runs on this system. That's it. It's designed to run on this system. Your system needs to meet these minimal requirements for the software to work. If you don't meet that, that's on you. But now in AV, it's the opposite. It's like, here's our all our equipment. You need to make it work this way. And that equipment can change. And so it's no longer like, if you look at the software application, it's like the software is determining the hardware. It's now hardware is determining the software in AV. And that hardware can change at the whim of the user. So it's really a challenging uh, concept for us AV programmers. If you take it one step further, not only does the hardware change, but then the firmware changes and as we've talked about before, when you're starting to get to more cloud-based products, that 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 uh, firmware may change without notice, which could could really drastically um, adjust or impact the operation of a system, with making a programmer's life that much harder. It's uh, I'm glad we're talking about this. I hope that our our listeners really get some value out of it. And those of you that are programmers. Um, definitely, I'm sure you're nodding your head and you're relating and please uh, add to this and, and uh, help us. But, but one of the things that we like to do here on Ask the Programmer is make sure that we're, um, we're, we're educating those who are interested in learning more about programmers and programming because it's important because we all do need to work together. And um, one of the things that uh, I think stemmed some of our earlier conversations were questions that were asked of us about what, what about this or that, or how do you um, give, give, give me more information because I'm hearing uh, different terms being discussed and I don't understand them. So 
that was where we came up with Ask the Programmer. So just to kind of come back around full circle after uh, over 100 episodes, that this is uh, where we're still at. Um, and any additional thoughts there? Additional thoughts, and I just thought of this just now, is if you're not a programmer and you're listening to this, uh, our podcast, great. Um, appreciate that. It shows you that our programmers are a necessary skill and a necessary resource that we you need to have on your team. But to kind of understand what we do is look at a, a simple hello world program because any programmer always starts with hello world. And the reason why this crossed my mind is we are recording this on July 5th. Yesterday we drive forth. And yes, I'm in Vegas. And we all know about the MGM Spear, Madison Square Garden. Sorry, not MGM, Madison Square Garden uh, Spear. And on July 3rd, they fired it up with a Hello World program. Um, and then July 4th, they had some a lot of different shows on the, the Spear. Really cool stuff. You can find videos of it. But it was that whole hello world that me as a programmer struck with me. Um, and again, those are ways to understand what we do. We start with very basic of hello world, and then we get complicated. Absolutely. <laughs> I caught that as well. And I thought that that was very comical and very appropriate. So it, it, uh, and, and that's one of the things that bonds all programmers, as you mentioned, if you, it, you, ha you have to be able to, to do the, the basics and, and then, um, you use that as your stepping stone. Um, James, how could people get in touch with you and, and learn more and keep, keep this conversation going, uh, about, uh, programming and let, let more people know about what AV makes AV programming special. Oh, you can definitely check us out on Twitter. Um, our Twitter is AV Programmer Pod. So definitely follow that if you're not. Um, my Twitter is AV underscore James King. I'm anywhere that Hetma's doing. I hire at AV. Um, again, you Google me, you'll find me. Excellent. And uh, continue also to use uh, the Ask the Programmer hashtag as well and whatever social media platforms you, you have. But but yeah, please reach out to us. For me, you can reach me at, at Steve Greenblatt on social media. My company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net, where you can find my contact information there. And, um, and we hope that this you found this podcast and, and um, information valuable. Uh, and, and this might be a good one for those of you who are programmers in the listening audience to share with those who you work with. And maybe that'll help to expand our audience and, and get more people um, listening and, and interested in contributing to this conversation because it's uh, it is really our goal to create community and also build the voice for programmers uh, in, in the industry. Um, you can catch our show on YouTube as well as Apple and Google Podcasts. And we would, as always, appreciate feedback, uh, a review, and also um, any uh, outreach or uh, suggestions on topics or guests. So please reach out to us and we look forward to hearing from you. With that, this has been Ask the Programmer.